Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Garth Ball. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Super excited about this message this morning, kicking off our new theme on freedom, sort of a bit of faith in <laughs> totally, Braveheart, should have preached off that, but I'm not going to, I should, um, and yeah, this, I don't know, I'm just, it's been uh, something I've just been sort of chewing over for the past couple of weeks, and just want to share a little bit of that with you, and why don't we just turn to Romans chapter 6 to start, and we'll read a passage there, and then we'll make our way to Matthew 25 and spend the rest of the time there. But just to get started on this, um, Matthew, uh, Romans 6, verse 10 to 14. Let's read through that. It says, When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your body, your whole body, as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Uh, Sin is no longer your master. That is good news. I'm telling you that right now. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And for me, there's so much. It's always fun giving the first message of a theme because there's so many things you could say. But for me, one of the greatest freedoms that you have experienced and can experience in your world is uh, the freedom from sin. And you see, because you see, it says here, you were once a slave to sin. You were once... Uh, you know, dead to God, and the power of sin was determining your way of life. Regardless of if you were a terrible person or doing terrible things, before you met Christ, you had a bent towards sin. You had a sinful nature that made, uh, that gave you no choice other than to go in a way that was contrary to God. I remember, uh, are there any cricket fans in here? Anyone like Tim? Great, there's two. That's enough to preach on it. So, uh, I've never. I don't think I've ever used a cricket analogy, but you know, it was either that or lawn bowls. So I decided for cricket for this one. And I remember the day I was a I was a wicketkeeper back in the day playing cricket. And I rem- remember the day that I stopped bowling ever, like full stop for the rest of my life. And it was I think it was at Eastern Road Oval in Bado Bay, and. Uh, I was about, I think I was 13, 14, and I was bowling one time, and for those of you who know about, you know, which is not many of you, let me try and give you like a cricket bowling for dummies, and uh, not that you're dummies, but you know, that thing, and, and when you, with a, with a cricket ball, a cricket ball naturally swings in the air, right, does, it, does anyone know that, or do you, okay, now you do, it naturally swings in the air, and for some reason, this particular day, this particular ball, it was swinging so much. And usually there's six balls in and over. Like someone gets to bowl six times in a row. 
that makes sense? And, um, and if you bowl one that, let's just say, goes off the pitch, then you have to bowl it again. And so usually, you, you know, you bowl six balls, maybe one or two go a bit wide, you have to re-bowl it. But this time, I, I bowled a 16 ball over. 16. I bowled 10 wides and only managed to get six, and those six were probably very borderline as well. Because this ball was just swinging. I just, and sure, someone with more ability might, may, have, may have been able to control it, but it was going this way, it was going that way. And for some reason after that, they gave me the wicket-keeping gloves and said, why don't you give that a go? But I don't know why. But this is the thing, that that ball was going to swing. <laughs> it, had no, it had no control over the matter. It, was, it, it had a natural design in it, a natural bent in it to move one way or another and miss the target. That is how it's like for you before you met Christ. No matter how hard you tried, no matter uh, you know, what you did, even if you got it right one time, your natural, uh, the natural way of, of the sinful nature inside of you was to miss the mark. And so you had no choice in the matter. But the beautiful news of this scripture, it says, uh, you, sin is no longer your master. You should consider yourself dead to it and alive to God. Once you were dead to God and alive to sin, now you're dead to sin and alive to God. And so now you have the actual choice and the freedom to choose to live fully for Christ. Before you couldn't, you didn't have a choice. It was this, this controlling nature on the inside of you. Now you have an actual choice to give everything that you have for Jesus Christ. And I love that phrase that it says, instead, give yourselves completely to God. You see, you weren't set free just to do whatever you want. That would be a nice message, wouldn't it? Just to go, you've been set free, you can go and do whatever you want. Uh, in fact, 1 Peter 2.16 says, if, for you are free, absolutely, you are free, yet you are God's slaves. That's a pretty strong word. Um, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. You didn't, get free, you didn't get set free from sin to then just do whatever you want. You got set free from sin so that you could choose to live for God. And that is the greatest freedom that you'll ever have. And you're going to hear some great messages on freedom and, you know, freedom in your emotional world. Ra's got some great stuff tonight and, and you know, freedom in different areas of your life. But the, the key reason that God set you free from the power of sin was that you could choose to give yourselves completely to God. Uh, and so, you know, as I'm talking about this this morning, don't, don't get all religious on me. That's the total opposite of what I'm doing. I'm not talking about being all legalistic, because C3 aren't the legalistic type, and this church isn't the legalistic type. But I'm, I'm talking about this, this priority and key thing in our world that we are living for Christ. And so let's um, turn to Matthew 25, 14 to 30. I'm not going to be too long this morning. Hey, we might even get an early mark this morning. Um, no excitement? Good, you learned from last time. Um, and so this is Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. We might read through it together just one time, and then we'll read through it a little bit at a time and uh, just make some comments on it. But God was really speaking to me powerfully about this. I think this looks at, for me, this is a great picture of what it looks like if you are living fully for Christ what your life should look like if you're doing that. And so I'm reading from the NLT. If you want to read on the screens, you can, or read along in your Bible. Parable of the three servants or the talents. 
Uh, yeah, let's, let's read through it because we've got some time. And uh, God, speak to us through this this morning. Speak to us through your word. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. This is talking about money. Uh, I'm I'm talking this morning about uh, opportunities to do God's work, opportunities to do what God has called you to do when when we're looking at money or talents. Uh, While he was gone, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant uh, who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money, from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Fantastic. And then we'll just leave that last part and, um, and make some comments around that. Um, but I tell you what, you would have hated Jesus as your pastor and the messages he gave you, man. That's just like seriously some full on stuff. You wouldn't have hated it. That's probably blasphemy, but uh, it would have been great. But it wouldn't have been easy, that's for sure. And, um, and so let's look at this. Again, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. When I was reading this, God was speaking powerfully to me about the topic of stewardship. And the definition of stewardship is this. The conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially, check this out, the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So this thing of entrusting something to someone else is stewardship. And as I was reading this, I, it just hit me so clearly, and I got this revelation that nothing I own belongs to me. I actually don't own anything in this life. Now, this is going to be a pretty confronting thing, but I think it's the Bible. And, you know, I think maybe just a mixture of, um, you know, going to Robin Jones's funeral and, you know, hearing different stories. It just seems to me that life is short. And 
anything, there's nothing that I can hold on to and protect that will never be taken away from me. Uh, there's nothing that, I, that is in my life that is actually from just me. I got it myself. I can hold it myself, and I'm going to have it forever. Everything that I have is something that God has entrusted to me to steward for his work. Um, let's read like 1 Timothy 6 verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. When you came into this world, everything that you were given, you, you didn't earn it yourself. It was given to you by God. And when you leave this world, no material possession, no thing that you have earned, no thing that you own can be taken with you. Is this making sense? Psalm 24, verse 1 to 4 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. So if God has entrusted everything that I have to use it for His purposes and to bring glory to Him and to expand His kingdom, I've got to use it pretty well. It's not like, you know, your, your mate that lends, you know, you lend a DVD. Has anyone seen Tin Cup? the movie Tin Cup with Kevin Costner. I'll tell you one person that hasn't, my friend, because I have his DVD and I've had it for the past eight years. And so he hasn't seen it for a long time. And so I'm not a very good steward of that DVD. And, you know, we can sort of give or take. I think there's other mates of mine that have stuff that I don't even know about that are mine and they just have never returned it. But when we're talking about the things that God has given us in our life, where I think there is a, a healthy sense of responsibility that we need to have to use what we've been given as well as we can. Is that okay? Oh, I'm going to get in trouble today, aren't I? Let's have a look at a few scriptures. Let me show you a few scriptures. The gifts that you have that God has placed on your life aren't yours. You're a steward of them to use them. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As, a faithful, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So your music abilities, your preaching gift, your, your gift of mercy, your hospitality, your, you know, it, it, the gifts that are on your life, it's not to use for your glory and your purposes. It's been given to you by God to be used to serve other people and to be used for Him. Um, our finances, Deuteronomy 8.18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So you go, oh, you know, I've, I'm pretty smart, I'm pretty switched on, I came up with some good ideas to make uh, uh, this business kick on. I hate to tell you, but it's the Lord that gives you the ability to, to produce wealth. It's a gift from Him. It's not your own strength, it's not your own wisdom, it's wisdom from heaven that He gives you the ability to do that. Um, your bodies, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. It, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Your physical body is not yours to keep and own. It is to steward for God's purposes. Um, our, our world, our environment, you know, stewardship goes way back to Genesis 15. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. I didn't write down any scriptures for your, this is a key one for me, your relationships. You don't own your relationships. They're a blessing from heaven for you to do life with. 
you know, like I, it dawned on me that my wife, I don't, as, as, that's the closest relationship that I have, but the Lord and everything in it, all the people belong to God. It's not, I don't, I don't own that. It's, not, it's, it's something that I want to be the most faithful steward that I can be with, but I don't own it. It's not mine. It's a God-given blessing that is used to bring glory to God on this planet. Every relationship that you are in is not something that, that is just for your purposes. It's for you to treat and honor and respect and use in a way that glorifies God. You know, imagine if, you know, if, if God owns all, that, all the people, how you treat other people is a, and everyone that you encounter, every person you come across, the way you speak to them, the way you treat them is a way that you're stewarding what God has put in your life. I don't know if this makes sense or if it's, I know it's pretty heavy, but, but I think we need to get, get this sense that what we have in our life was not given for us necessarily, just, just us. It was given to us, some of it for our enjoyment, but at the baseline of it for the glory of God and to use for his purposes. Um, then at verse 15 goes down, uh, he gave five bags, two bags, one bag, then he left and the, the one who was given five, invested it and gave five more. And the one that uh, gave two, earned two more. The one that had one, dug it, put it in a hole. And the master came back. And you notice the first two, he, the one that got in, you know, earned five more and the one that earned two more, he's just all about it. He's, he's celebrating. He's going, let's celebrate together. He's, he's happy about the person that is using those opportunities to bear fruit. And so two things about that. One, our master is going to return. Our master is going to return and we're going to meet with him. And I think sometimes that seems so far off. And whether it's him returning here or us returning to him, um, we're going to encounter him and we're going to meet with him one day. And, you know, sometimes that seems far off. When you're at funerals, it doesn't seem as far off and it's a bit of a reality check. But there will be a time where our master will come back. And you know what? He's not going to talk about... Uh, to, your, to, a, to a Christian in the room here, he's not going to talk about your sin. He's not going to talk about what you didn't do and what, you know, so hard, so long as, as so often as believers, we, we're trying to work so much on what we're not doing that we put little effort into that which we should be doing. And we're so worried about, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. God's more interested in what you will do for him. And I think, you know, this celebration that, that the master was was, was having with those servants is very clear that good stewardship and living for Christ is about fruitfulness. It's about having an effect on this planet in your life. It's about bearing fruit with that which he's given you. Uh, you know, that scripture from Genesis, he gave the man to work and to keep it. And so there's this sense of, keep, like, of, of, um, of keeping things and, and protection. And, you know, we protect our families, we protect our wives, we we steward wisely, but then there's the, the working it thing. So it's not just enough to, to hold on to what we have, like we saw with the guy that had one, held on to what I had and then, and then gave that back. No, God is interested in us taking what has been given and, making, uh, and living such a fruitful life for him. So that when we go to him, it's not, he's not going to say, oh, you know, you made that mistake because the, the blood of Christ has covered our mistakes. But he's going to say, what did you do? With, the, with, with this, and so many of us, oh, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. He goes, I don't care about that. What did you do? What did you do? What action did you put in place into your world that 
uh, that made you faithful with what I gave you to use. Does that make sense? And, um, and so, you know, I think we need to, as stewards, we, we don't hold on to what we've been given. We hold on to it in the sense that we protect it and we honor it and we use it wisely, but we don't hold on so tight that we, we, don't, we don't go bury it in the sand. So, you know, our families, we don't go, okay, I've got to protect my family. I'm not going to follow the call of God too much because that might be a, bit, a little bit dangerous and that might be a little bit risky. And so I'm just going to bury it. And then when I go to heaven, I'll give it back to God. There it is. No, no, God's saying, put it to work. Keep it and work it. Get fruitfulness out of whatever that you've been entrusted with and see fruit in your world. And so then it goes on. It says, a servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If, I, if, you, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. A couple of things about this. Fear will stop you being fruitful for God. When you leave this world, it's not your failures that's gonna, that you're going to regret. It's the things you didn't attempt. It's not the times that you, get, you stepped out and it didn't happen. It's the times that you said, I should have stepped out. I didn't do anything. I don't know what happened. God would rather you have a go and do something and fail than not do anything at all. But as long as you're worried, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can turn this one talent into anything else. So I'm just going to bury it and do that. That's not how God wants you to work. So, you know, we don't witness to our friends because we think, oh, you know, I don't think I have what it takes to... Take them, bring them to a point of decision to following Christ. Well, God just says, well, if you, didn't, if you couldn't do that, why didn't you at least take it to the bank? At least do something. You don't have to do everything, but you can at least do something. You don't have to, you know, just, you know, be this super Christian and, and you know, preach this and save this and, you know, give millions of this, whatever it is that you've been showing. God's just saying, do something. Whatever I've given you, have a go with it and, and, and bear some kind of fruit. Don't just keep it to yourself. Don't not step out because you're afraid that you think you don't have what it takes. Give yourself half a chance. God's given you gifts. Use them. He's given you what it takes. You have what it takes. Everyone in this room right now has what it takes to do something and bear some fruit for the kingdom of God. Give yourself half a go. Back yourself. God believes in you. Why don't you step out and, and, and see him you know, do things through you that you can't do in yourself? Because remember, it's not you it's a gift of God to you. And so that takes all the pressure off. It's not about you and your own strength. God has given you everything that you need to bear some kind of fruit in your life. Um, and so, and, and this is a good thing to remember as well. At least, the master said, at least I could have gotten some interest on it. The fruit isn't just about us. God doesn't just want us to bear fruit. I'm going to, last really heavy thing I'll say to you. Uh, well, probably won't, but it's one of them. God, your comfort is not God's primary concern. And, you know, the, this, honestly, I don't, I don't like, I, I wish I, yeah, freedom, God's good, you know, God's awesome. Yeah, but God, your comfort is not God's primary concern. Look around the world. The, your, the, the comfort of a Christian is not God's primary concern. His glory and reaching a lost world is his primary concern. The return is not for us. 
The return is for his glory. And, and don't get me wrong, I totally believe 100% that God wants you to enjoy life. You know, there's, that wedding last yesterday was so beautiful, it was just amazing, loved it, loved celebrating, kicking back, loved, you know, seeing new babies born and, and you know, Frank and Pauline going, and Phil and Fleur going on a holiday this week and we just pray for Pauline health over her back, her back so we just declare healing over that back in Jesus' name. I love that stuff. But you've got to understand that, and, and that those things are a part of the journey, but the primary goal is not the comfort of us. The primary goal of our life, the key thing, those things are great, but the key thing is that we are using what God has given us to bear fruit for his kingdom. And as long as there's, you know, there's fruitless Christians just coming, not that there's not a, to our church, just saying as long as all we ever do is just come to church and, and hear a message and go into our lives and then come back every week without bearing a whole bunch of fruit for his purposes, without making disciples in your workplace, without, you know, spreading the love of God, without, you know, all these, whatever it might look like, without that, it's, we're missing the point. God put us on this planet and gave us things to steward so that he might get a return, so that we may go and make disciples of all nations. That is our common mission as Christians, that we would go and make disciples of all nations, that people would be coming to Christ. Guys, you don't need to wait to bring someone down here to lead them to Christ. Do it in your workplace. You can pray with someone and lead them to Christ. You can, you can go and do it. You don't have to you know, wait for, for things to happen, but you have been given everything that you need to fulfill the Great Commission, to go and reach this world. And so, you know, as I said, I want to make it clear that it, I'm totally all about enjoying enjoyment. This message is not about a doom and gloom, way serious, you know, let's not have anything enjoyed. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have abundance. He wants you to enjoy it. But he wants us to keep the main thing the main thing. And that is to be with him and to see his kingdom come to pass on this planet. Um, lastly, and we can get back, you can come up and join the keyboard. And then it says, um, where are we? Here. Then it says, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. So those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Do you know what fruitfulness is for you right now? It's indeed that now. You've been, you, you've been given freedom to be fruitful. That's why you can be fruitful, but also it takes faith. And remember, Pastor Phil's been talking a lot about now faith. Right now, not down the track, not like once you have a family and then, you know, once I get this in line, I do that, then I'll do something for you. No, no God, right now, whatever you're doing, wherever you find yourself, Whatever season you're in, whatever work you're doing, don't say, well, one day I want to be in ministry and so then I will do what God's called me to, but, but for now I'll just wait. I'll just bury my talents and wait and I'll bring them out later on. No, 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 no. God's saying wherever you are now, jump into it with everything that you have. Don't wait for the future. I hope everyone in here has a dream for, for something great down the track, but God is not calling us to, to just always look down the track. So often we get caught up, one day we'll do this. Young people, oh, one day when I'm a bit older, I'll do that. When, I, when I'm a bit holier, I'll do that. When I'm you know, a bit less busy, I'll, I'll do that. When God speaks out of a burning bush, then I'll do that, whatever it might be. But God is saying right now, this is a, if you show me a Christian that is 
being fruitful and diving into what God has entrusted to them right now, that's a person on whom the spirit of faith has rested. Faith, we've, been, we've just spent a month talking about faith. Faith is a feeling on the inside of confidence, knowing that God is going to do what he's called you to do. But without an action to that, it's useless. It's useless to have an, a feeling of faith or a, a concept of faith without seeing fruitfulness come to pass in our life. And so we need that spirit of faith to rise up for us to actually step out and go, you know what, I am, I may not have what it takes. I might only be a one-talent person, guilty as charged. I might, I might not be the five-talent, you know, Evan Hall, but I might just be a one-talent Garth Ball. And, but you know what, I'm going to step out right now and I'm, gonna, and I'm not going to wait until I maybe get entrusted with another talent. I'm going to do what I have. I'm going to use what I have for God's glory. I'm going to at least do maybe not everything, but I'm going to do something. And so, you know, I think the Christian life is one that God is saying, you know what, you've been free for a purpose. You're not free just to do nothing. Like, you know, you leave prison, then you go out, okay, cool, back to life. No, no, you've been, God's like, set you free out of prison for a divine purpose. And that is to live for Him fully and wholly and, and, to, and to use whatever He has entrusted to you for His glory and His purposes. And for me, that's exciting. That's so exciting. Let me say this. Usually I would say this is what that looks like in your world. You know, in your day-to-day life, this is how you can apply that. I'm not going to do that today because I want you to do that. Because everyone in here, it's different. Like diving in, being fruitful with what you've been entrusted, it's different for everyone. Some of you, it's making disciples in, in your business. Some of you, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what, you know, in, in ministry. Some of you, it's, you know, you're creating music. Others, you know, for God's glory, whatever it is, it's, it's different for everyone else. Um, you know, that a couple of things, being generous with your finances, maybe loving the people in your world and not misstewarding your relationships and treating them in a way that, you know, you think they're just coming along your path, but there's someone that God has put in your life. Uh, going away and getting with God every day, being with God, not missing a week at church, giving your life to your connect group, um, getting more skilled at what you're doing and sharpening your gifts, using the gifts God's given you, taking um, ownership and making things happen in your life, not making excuses of, what, of why you're not doing what you should be doing, forgiving the person that has wronged you, evangelizing lovingly and not worrying about what people think about you, being integrous in your dealings, making disciples in whatever you do. I don't know what it is for you, but I think there's always, for me, this is a revelation that's in my heart, but there's way more levels of fruitfulness that I can go to. It's not like I'm saying, I have everyone can go to a new step, a new level of being fruitful for God. And it's not to earn, it's not to, you know, I should disclaim it, it's not to earn His love. It's not anything to do with our standing before God. You have been saved by grace, not by works. You've saved, but for good works. You're not saved by good works, you're saved for good works. And so, you know, you don't earn your position before God by what you do, but God has, has set you free so that you can do great things for Him and you can make a difference in this world. So why don't we stand up and uh, whole band can join us. Like, so as I said, I understand that this is a pretty, you know, not the easiest message going around. There'd be lighter things to sort of talk about, but, you know, it's just been really stirring me just the, the times we're living in and, and um, you know, just the, the state of, even in a, you know, just 
the church in Australia, but what's going on overseas, everything, just a whole combination of everything that is going on in our world is my conviction that the church is the answer and the church can be mobilized to be fruitful, to give every, especially the church in this nation, we can be mobilized to just do as much as we can to see the kingdom of heaven come to pass on this planet. Um, and so, you know, please, it's, if, you, if you feel like there's room for you to grow, don't feel bad about it. Get inspired about it. Come on, this is what an opportunity we have to partner together and see God come to, you know, moving in our, in our midst. Why don't we, we close our eyes? hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.